Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Church Podcast. message, um, our second message of our series, Psalms 23. Um, And we've got a book out in the lobby called A Shepherd's Look at Psalms 23 by Philip Keller. If you haven't picked one up, pick it up. It is a phenomenal book that will absolutely change the way you read Psalms 23. But today I want to talk to you about naps, toddlers, and la petite. Naps, toddlers, and la petite. Now, I am a byproduct of daycare. Um, So some of you, maybe your child's in daycare. You may want to rethink your strategy for your plan for your kid's life. Um, I I did. My mom worked at La Petite. Um, So I was there before the kids got there, and I was there after the last kid left. Um, And La Petite sounds fancy. It isn't. Um, It's like, oh, it's French. It must be nice. It wasn't. I'm just letting you know, it was, it was a bunch of hooligans and thugs before we knew we were thugs and hooligans um, that, that hung out. And um, I've got so much to get to that I'm really going to try to make this story quick. Um, but there was a person that was like the head cheese at La Petite, and her name was Merle. Um, and Merle looked about like she, her name sounds. Now, if you're named Merle, we think you are absolutely lovely. You aren't like ugly Merle that I'm talking about. You are sexy Merle, and I think that's weird that I just said that, but we're just going to keep going because um, it's too deep. Um, we're too, too far in. So Merle was the meanest person I've ever met in my entire life. I'm just going to lay it out there. Um, I, I believe she still lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We have not made amends, um, but I'm just going to tell you, Merle, Merle, let me give you a description of Merle, um, and I tell this story to my kids. I think I could write a book about my daycare adventures at La Petite. I call her Mean Merle, still to this day. Her name is Mean Merle. Um, She was one of those ladies that always looked like she was old. She could have been 20. She looked 50. Um, uh, I was just like, man, you are old. Um, She was one of those ladies that had the tight perm bob. You know what I'm talking about? We're going back 80s. You guys are going to have to catch up with me here. Um, The tight perm, like you could throw a pick in it and it'd stick, like deek. Um, She had a, 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 a tight perm. She had glasses that were this big that were tinted, so you could... You didn't know if she had eyes or not. You just thought she did. And then I swear she did this, but I, I have no proof. This is my, my daycare, my childhood imagination. Merle was one of those ladies that I promised she had to be a smoker, and it just hung out with the ash hanging off of it like forever. Like, that's a mean Merle, okay? And at La Petite, 
Every day there was required nap time unless you were first grade or older. Then you got to go over to the carpet and watch uh, Pinwheel on Nickelodeon. Somebody, I just took you back to your childhood of Pinwheel Nickelodeon. You're like, this guy's for real right now. Um, this is a true story. I just, anyways. Um, and if you were in first grade or below, we had cots all over La Petite, and you had to lay down on your cot. And you had to be still, and you had to fall asleep, right? Here's the problem. You were trying to make toddlers lay down, be still. And this is about how I looked when I was in kindergarten. Um, <laughs> we need to get that child a bigger cot um, and fall asleep and not move. And I got to tell you, I still move when I sleep. I don't stop moving. And I don't like to lay down during the day. I don't like taking naps. Justin does not like to nap. I'm like Donald Trump who says, no nap for Trumps, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not a napper. But here's the problem. Merle, old mean Merle, she'd walk around. And if you, were, if you saw mean Merle coming, you got low and stayed quiet, man. Like, here she comes. Because if not, if she caught you talking, just even whispering to your, you wouldn't even have to be disturbing everybody else. I'd be whispering to my buddy Brian right by me. Hey, Brian. Mean Merle sees you and finds you. She grabs your foot because your socks have to be off, your shoes have to be off. And she would grab your foot and she would just start slapping the bottom of your foot like, wah, 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 wah. I don't know how she moved her hand that fast and I couldn't move my foot to miss it. It's like she was a champion ping pong player or something. I was like, what's going on? She would nail that and then she would take your thumb and she would bite the quick of your thumb. Yeah. And the reason she did all this is because it never left bruises, Right. Like, this is it. Some of you are like, we're getting our kid out. I'm pretty sure we're going to have a lawsuit from La Petite um, after this sermon. I am sure they have changed their practices, but this was my childhood. Mean Merle tormented me. And, and here's the problem, is that you know this as parents and grandparents. Toddlers are high-maintenance sleepers, right? Toddlers don't want to lay down. I, I still don't want to lay down. I just don't want to. The only time I take a nap is if I'm sick. Like, I just, I, I, I never like to nap. And, and, and if you try to put your toddler down for a nap this Sunday afternoon, here's what's going to happen. Oh, Mom, I can't sleep. I'm itchy. Okay, well, we'll put on your not itchy pajamas, right? Put the not itchy, now I'm hot, Mom. I'm hot. Dad, okay, we'll turn there. Now I'm cold, Dad. Dad, you know, here's a blanket. And then they've got to kiss their 20 stinking stuffed animals that are all in their, their, their room because they may never see them again because Jesus may come back in that one-hour nap, right? So they've got to kiss them all. They've got to give you 50 hugs. Uh, now I'm thirsty. Now I need to pee because I took a drink. Now I'm thirsty again because I'm dehydrated because I peed, right? I mean, there's, it's this vicious, vicious cycle that you're just like, will you simply just lay down? please God, right? You're like, just lay down and just stop. Stop moving, lay down, and go to sleep. And, and here's, here's what I got to tell you. When it comes to life, you and I are the toddler in the story, right? We're the toddler. We're a high-maintenance rester. We don't like to stop. We don't like to, to like, be still because there's almost this guilt if you're still, that you should be doing something. And so what has happened as a result in our culture is we're going around frantically at all times, and we're exhausted. And, and, and we almost feel guilty if we take time to rest. 
right? Like, I don't know the last person I met. I said, hey, man, how you doing? They're like, man, you know what? I'm really rested. I feel refreshed. And yeah, I mean, it was just a really restful weekend, you know? Like, even grandparents. Like, I, I, I never, no, because it's almost like loser if you say that, right? Like, when I meet people, it's like, dude, I am slammed, going 90 miles to nothing. I'm busy because we have equated busy with important. We have equated franticness with living life to the full. And here's the truth for some of us. We're killing it when it comes to achieving things at our job. We're killing it being a great mom and dad, being a great grandparent. We're, 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 we're slaying it. But the problem is we're miserable and we're not enjoying the journey. We're not enjoying the journey, and the people along the journey with us sure aren't enjoying it, right? Because if dad gets mad in the front seat of a road trip, everybody gets awkward real quick. It's just like everybody's silent, and nobody knows when to be like, so dad, when can we use the restroom? Never! You know, it's just, and and here's what has happened. We have confused busyness with effectiveness, but just because you're busy doesn't mean you're effective and doesn't mean that you are living this life out the way God has planned you to live it out, to live it out an effective life. So how do you and I come back to the place where we find rest, where, where we learn to be still? And today I'm not talking about taking a nap, right? Um, because rest for each of us looks different. For, for me, rest is being outside and firing up my chainsaw, um, hitting things with axes. Um, like, and some of you are like, really? I'm like, really? Um, like doing something outside is, is my, that's, that's how I rest. It's how being by a fire outside of the fire pit. I mean, it's just, that's how I rest. That's how my mind is renewed, refreshed. It's doing something. Rest looks different, but here's the problem is most of us won't take the time to actually Rest, and Psalms 23 talks about this. Last week, we got into the first verse. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Today, we're going to try to make it through the second verse, right? And it says this. It says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Read that. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He is the reason I can lie down and rest. He's the one that makes it even even possible for me to lay down as a sheep that needs a shepherd, because we understood that last week, that all of us need a shepherd because we are defenseless and helpless without him. He is the only way that I truly find rest for my soul. Here's the deal with sheep. You want to talk about high-maintenance Sleepers and resters. A sheep is not going to lay down to rest and to find peace unless there is a few things that happen. A few things are really two big things, and Philip Keller talks about this, and it's our first point. Rest is present when fear and friction are absent. Rest is present for the sheep when fear and friction are are absent. And what is true of a sheep is true of us. It is impossible to find rest while you are dealing with anxiety, you're dealing with freak out moments, you're dealing with, you are absolutely stressed out, maxed out, burned out, you're worn out. 
You, you can't find rest. And when there's friction, when there's friction within your family, within your relationships, so how in the world do we find rest? Uh, uh, some of our friends, the Bowmans, they have uh, two girls that are showing sheep at FFA. My world's totally weird right now. Um, but they, their, their youngest daughter, Brooklyn, has a sheep that's called Ginger. And Ginger's a little crazy, right? Like Ginger's a little psycho. And, and I remember going into the pen for Ginger, and I was just going to put food in and water and hay and take care of her. And the moment I walk into her pen, she goes berserk. She's losing it like I'm getting ready to eat her legs or something. Like I'm like, those look tasty, right? Like it's, it's, she starts to the point running into the bar, the steel bars of the pen over and over and over. I'm like, Ginger, cut, stop it, right? Like you're freaking me out because you're freaking out. And why? Because she was fearful. And there's a lot of us that we are just like Ginger when it comes to life. Man, it's not even that there's anything that is happening. For Ginger, nothing bad happened to her. She was scared about what might happen to her that freaked her out. And what I've understood about us as sheep that need a shepherd is most of the time when it comes to fear and when it comes to anxiety and when it comes to being overwhelmed, probably 90% of what we fear the most won't ever happen. The what ifs freak us out. The what might happen, man, drives us to panic. And, and here's what I want you to know. You can't be full of fear, fearful and restful at the same time. You can't do it. A sheep is not going to lie down as long as it is fearful. And you're not going to find rest and be restful as long as you're freaked out. I love scary movies. I, I love scary movies. Now, I don't like demonic movies. Like, there's a difference between scary and demonic. Some of you watching Paranormal Activity, you need Jesus and some haze, apparently. Like, God needs to do something in your life, man. Like, that stuff's real. Like, I'm talking, like, just stupid movies, like, like that are creepy and scare you, but, you know, are manageable. But here's the deal. I know me well enough. I don't watch a scary movie right before I go to bed, right? Because here's what's going to happen. I'm going to hear something in the middle of the night, and I'm going to get up and act like I know Taekwondo across every hall and corner and be like, you don't want any of this, right? Um, I'm, I'm just, that's going to be me. I'm like, if I find you, I will beat you, right? <laughs> Why? Because every noise I hear creates fear because what I've been letting my mind rest on. And some of us, we've been letting our mind focus and rest on the very thing that freaks us out. And the what-ifs are wreaking havoc in your life. What if this, some, of, some of us, we're just, we're just waiting for something to go wrong. Well, well. What about, you, you just had a little baby girl. Well, what happens when she becomes a prostitute? What? Wait, wait. She's one year old. Like, what do I do when my son's a drug addict? Because Justin, it's coming. I see how he naps. He lies already. He lies about eating cookies. Drugs are next, right? Like, what just happened? You find a new mole. That's cancer. No, you're just getting old. I mean, you get moly when you get old. It just happens, Right? And we're just waiting for something to go wrong. And something, there can be a phrase that is said, there can be something that is done, something that happens, and it creates pure chaos and anxiety in your life. And you can't lay down and you can't find rest 
because you can't be restful and and peaceful. You can't be full of rest while you're full of fear. So what are we to do? David said this in Psalms 56, he said, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. When, when fear's around, when I freak out, I put my trust in you. Because David understood this. He wasn't enough to fix him. Can you imagine if, if we went out into the wild and there's a shepherd with all the flocks of sheep and the shepherd's just like, okay, sheep, go take care of yourselves. Like, form a perimeter, <laughs> and let's secure this place and make it safe. And there's sheep trying to make this, like, this, this perimeter and make it safe. No, that's, that is ridiculous, right? You're like, a sheep is not capable of protecting itself. And can I tell you what is true of a sheep is true of us. You and I are not capable of taking care of ourselves. Your bank account's not going to protect you. All the organic food you want to eat's not going to protect you. Right? You and I are not, okay, so, so what do we do? We come to a place where the only way a sheep would ever lie down is when a shepherd was present. It was the presence of the shepherd that brought peace to the sheep. And, and it's true for us as well. There, there's peace for the sheep when there is the presence of the shepherd. And when your focus stops going to the what-ifs and starts focusing on the shepherd and his care and his maintenance and his management of your life, that is when fear is gone and peace ushers in. It says this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. That spirit of fear, that fear that's creeping in, understand, that's not how God intended you to live this life out. It's exhausting. It will wear you out. It will burn you out. It will, it, it, you won't be able, you may be able to sleep, but you're not resting. So, so how do you get this spirit of power and love and of a sound mind? Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7, says, don't worry about anything. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then when you do verse 6, verse 7 happens. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. A peace that passes understanding, right? His peace will guard your hearts and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. He guards your heart and your mind. His peace goes beyond reason, goes beyond understanding. When you start praying about everything instead of worrying about it all, when you start thanking him for what he's done, you start remembering all of his faithfulness that he has done in the past instead of forgetting all that he has done. Because many times, and I say this all the time, we forget what we should remember and we remember what we should forget. We forget about God coming through and being faithful and that's what does. It's not just about praising or praying to him about everything. It's thanking him for what he has done because that makes my mind focused on the shepherd. And then I can experience a peace that passes understanding. And the job of the Holy Spirit is to start guarding my heart and my mind and to keep it in perfect peace. I love what it says in Isaiah 26, verse 3 out of the Amplified Version. It says, you will keep in perfect and constant peace. I love that. The one whose mind is steadfast 
That is committed and focused on you in both inclination and character because he trusts and takes refuge in you with hope and confident expectation. If you're struggling with fear, I would encourage you to write this verse down. Isaiah 26, verse 3 of the Amplified Version, you keep in perfect and constant peace. Some of you, your peace is wavering, and you're looking for something consistent. You keep him in perfect and constant peace, the one whose mind is steadfast. That is committed and focused on you in both inclination and character because he trusts and takes refuge in you with hope and confident expectation. There's going to be rest instead of fear. You've got to focus your mind on the presence of your shepherd instead of the what is of your situation. It's the only way you're finally going to experience rest. And it's going to be something that you have to do sometimes in some moments hourly. Sometimes it's going to be daily. Sometimes, you know what? It's going to have to be weekly. You're like, hey, I'm pretty good right now. I didn't see a new mole, right? You're going to be good. But you're going to have to constantly set your mind on what is lovely, on what is true, like Paul said in Philippians 4, what is ever of a good report, think on these things. The second way that we experience rest, it's not just getting rid of fear, but it's getting rid of friction. How do we get rid of friction? Well, we understand that, that the shepherd's job is to grease the horns, right? We grease the horns. We allow the horns to be greased. Um, and, and any sort of livestock, there is a sort of order. In chickens, it is called the pecking order, right? Where there's the head chicken, the head rooster, and he just if he doesn't like you, right? There's a, there's a pecking order. In sheep, it's called the butting order. And these old ewes, these old ladies will butt heads with the younger ladies and be like, that's not your position. That's my man. Get away from him. You know, and they'll just, they just, there's a butting order. And when it comes time, mating season, mating season, yay for mating season. Um, when, when it's mating season, these rams will come up and they will like, collide horn. I mean, you've seen them on National Geographic where they raise up on their hind legs and bam, you know, hit each other and there's this collision. And if the shepherd isn't careful, it can create really severe effects within the flock. In fact, the rams could kill one another, break each other's horns, necks, whatever it may be, if there's not care and if the shepherd isn't paying attention. And so the, the watchful shepherd will grab all of the rams and what happens is that he brings all these rams in and he starts putting axle grease on the horns and on the heads and on the nose so that when mating season comes around, these rams get up and they're like, whoa, and they hit and they just slide right off. It's just like, whoop, you know, like, and they feel dumb and they just kind of like, well, that didn't really accomplish anything. And so the horns are greased and the friction is gone. And what I have noticed is this, is when we allow the horns to be greased, two things happen. Two things happen uh, is all of a sudden we become kind of a redneck and have bad English and we understand they ain't my business, right? That, that, that everybody ain't my business. That, that I'm not in charge of making sure everyone is doing what they should be doing. That everyone's being nice, playing nice. That I'm not in charge of everybody's life. I'm not, I, I don't have to be nosy anymore. It's not my business what God is doing in this person's life, in this family's life. I can't change the whole world. I know what God has given me influence over. Um, 
listen to me, teenagers. Do not say this to your parents. I ain't your business. Um, they are very much, you are very much their business, right? They're going to grease something, all right, and it ain't your horns. Um, but some of us, we get worked up over everybody. And we're, we're just, well, I got to fix this, and I got to fix this, and I'm in charge of this. And I, listen to me, when you understand you're not in charge, when you understand that they ain't my business, there's a peace that comes. And you can be like, yeah, they ain't my business. Because when everybody's your business, everybody gets a reaction out of you, and it always wrecks your peace and your rest. And some of you mamas, you need to hear this. Man, you did all you could for your kid. Some of you dads, you were a great dad, you were a great mama, and your kid is grown and old, and they've got to make the decisions for themselves. And you can't carry the weight and the burden of the poor decisions they've made. Man, they're still your heart, but now they ain't your business. You, you got to let that slide off because it's wrecking your peace. And it's wrecking your rest. I love what Paul, what, what Jesus said to Peter right after Peter was restored for denying Jesus. In John 21, verse 20 through 22, it says this. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. That's John, by the way. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, said Lord, who is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he asked the Lord, what about him, right? And Jesus greases the horns really well right here. Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? He ain't your business, right? Jesus totally goes redneck right now. He ain't your business. You must follow me. You stay in your lane, Peter. You do what I've called you to do. You're not in charge of everyone. And there's a peace that comes when you understand you're not in charge of everyone. That ain't your business. The second thing that happens is you let it slide instead of stick. This is where your pastor struggles. You learn to let it slide off you instead of the, the hit, the words, the action doesn't stick. Right? I, I, I struggle. If somebody says something rude to me, oh, it's going to stick. We're going to have a talk. Right? Like if I get a look from one of my teenage daughters, I'm like, you will not look at me. I am a clapper on stage and at home. Like if I, the big eyes come, I'm like, oh no, we're not doing that today, right? Like attention, attention, attention. I did it once to Casey and she goes, I don't work for you, right? Like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> she didn't let it slide, it stuck. Um, but I struggle with this. Man, if somebody says something, instead of letting it slide, I let it hit home. If somebody does something slyly, right, or you feel left out, some of us, they don't have any ill intent, but instead of letting it slide, it sticks and it gets you all worked up. And it gets you all offended and it gets you all mad and your feelings are hurt and you don't have peace and now everybody else doesn't have peace because they forgot to text you, they forgot to email you, they forgot to call you on your birthday. Somebody, so, you know, like when you... Hey, if this hasn't happened, just wait. Thanksgiving and Christmas is coming. Family's coming, baby. Right? And are you going to let it slide or is it going to stick? Are, are you going to get worked up over that great, great grandma that keeps saying, man, I guess you look thinner, but I can't really tell. <laughs> what? Well, you're not near as annoying as you used to be. Why? Like, are you going to let it slide? 
Are you gonna, but Justin, you don't know the history. I don't know the history. And I'm in this with you. Hear me. I'm not a great person to let it, that lets it slide. I got to work on this. But here's what the Bible says, Proverbs 19, 11, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it's his glory to overlook an offense. Good sense <laughs> makes one slow to anger, and it's his glory to overlook an offense. Ecclesiastes 7, 21 through 22 says, Don't pay attention to every word people say, or you may hear your servant cursing you. For you know in your heart that many times you yourself have cursed others. In essence, don't get worked up. Stop having an ear to the ground every time somebody talks about you. What I've noticed is if if you're really being a leader, somebody's not going to like you. Somebody's going to talk about you. Stop defending yourself and letting everything that somebody else says stick to you and let it slide off and keep moving after what God has called you to do and be the person that God has called you to be. And don't let somebody talking about you or doing something to you wreck your peace and your rest. Grease the horns. Let it slide off instead of let it stick. And here's what this psalmist, this psalmist saying. That when there is an absence of fear and friction, rest is present. Peace is present. And what happens is when we are, are, are willing, when we come to a place where we allow God and we focus our mind and we get rid of fear and friction, we start following after our shepherd. Because he says, he leadeth me beside still waters. Is that we're a lot more willing to obey and follow when we've got rest and peace. And what I would tell you, this last point today is this. When you're hungry and desperate, you settle for fast and convenient instead of good and fulfilling. When you're hungry and desperate, you settle for fast and convenient instead of good and fulfilling. And I've got to close with this. I, I know I'm running out of time. You're like, you just talked about half a scripture. I know. When a shepherd is taking his flock to where the still waters are, only the shepherd knows where those still waters are. Only the shepherd knows where there's healthy water for the sheep to partake from that's really going to bring benefit and nourishment to his herd. But along the way, every time when, when the shepherd is leading the sheep, there's going to be puddles along the way. And the problem is with the puddles... They may, they may be available, but there's parasites in the puddles. There's disease in the puddles because the sheep have, have, have defecated in them and urinated in them. And there's all sorts of things just waiting. But it's convenient, but it's not beneficial. And hear me, some of us, we are in such a hurry. And we're so desperate that we settle for what's convenient instead of what's good. And you can't confuse what's convenient with what is good, what is actually beneficial. But your job and my job is to follow the lead of the shepherd, to obey him. Because if we obey him, he brings us to what actually is beneficial to our soul. If we follow him and we follow his leading, he leads us to a place of still waters that truly brings refreshment. Because here's what I'm understanding is when I'm resting in at peace and I'm willing to follow his lead, all of a sudden obedience leads me to fulfillment instead of regret. And that is the reward of obedience. What's the big thing about obedience is that obedience always keeps you from regret and leads you to a place of fulfillment and life that is lived to the 
full. And some of us, when we get in a hurry, we get desperate. Listen to me. God is not in a hurry because he knows the plan and the purpose for your life. So stop getting desperate and taking part in what is available instead of what he has for you. Be willing to follow him. Because when this happens, when we follow him, he leadeth me beside still waters. The Lord is my shepherd. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Here's the next phrase. He restoreth my soul. There's restoration to my soul and my life. And if your life's going to be restored, if your life's going to find rest in this crazy, hectic world, it's only going to be found in the presence of the shepherd in the obedience of following after the shepherd because he knows what's truly good for you. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, I ask that, Lord, in this place today that you would help us find rest. Some of us, we're here and we're tired. We're burned out. We're worn out. We're stressed out. We're full of anxiety. We're full of worry. It's hard to sleep. It's hard to even lay down. And Lord, even when we do, we wake up and we're still tired and we're still freaked out and we're still anxious. And so, Lord, I pray today that we would hand over control to you. As Shannon and the worship team saying, Lord, I surrender all. But Lord, this morning, we would surrender it to you. That we wouldn't try to hold on and think that we can fix it. That we can safe-proof our life from it. Because, Lord, that's just asinine to think that we can do that. But, Lord, that we would surrender it. Because, Lord, it's only by the shepherd's care of our life that we're able to lie down and find rest. It's only through the shepherd's care that we find what's truly beneficial for our life. It's only when the shepherd is present and we get into the presence of the shepherd that our life is full, free of fear and instead full of peace. Free from friction and instead full of harmony and getting along with others. So Lord, I pray today that we'd be focused on your presence instead of our anxiety. We'd be focused on you instead of others. And that Lord, we would follow where you are wanting to lead us because, Lord, so many of us, we've been so anxious and so full of fear. We've been following the fear instead of the path of the shepherd. And, Lord, there's been no restoration for our soul. So, God, I pray that our focus, our heart, our mind would be on you. And you would lead us to a place today where there's restoration. And there's rest and there's peace for our life. It's in Jesus' name I pray with heads bowed and eyes closed today. If you're here, and you say, Justin, I'm here today. And I... Man, I'm here and I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. We want to give you a chance to change that. Some of you, maybe you're here and you know what? The simple truth is you're just slave to a habit. You're slave to sin. And you want to get free from it. You know what has a hold of your life 
And I got to tell you, there's something better for you than the life you're living right now. And it's about recommitting your life. You're ready to get free from the life you're living and grab hold of the life he has for you. And you've hit it for so long that you don't know anything else today. Man, there's something better for you if you will simply take hold of it for your life. When I count to three, if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand and we're going to lead you to prayer that will change your life. One, two, three. Is there anyone here today? You say, Justin, that's me. There's one, there's two. Is there anyone else? You join these two hands are lifted and say, Justin, man, there's, there's a change that needs to happen in my life. And you, yeah, I see your hand. Is there anyone else? You join these three hands that are lifted. Yeah, I see you there. Is there anyone else? You say, Justin, that's me. I want to join these four hands that are lifted. I know there's something better for me, and I'm tired of my life being lived out the way that it is right now. If you're at home online watching, man, I would just encourage you to raise your hand right in your living room. Is there anyone else? You say, Justin, that's me today. Before we go any further in service, you join these four hands or so that were lifted. If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today. And I confess that I have sinned and that I've messed up. But I ask for your forgiveness. God, I'm tired of the life I'm living. So I turn from it. And I turn to the life you have for me. And I grab hold of that. And I pray right now that your grace and your love would enter my life. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or in need of prayer or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv. that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.